Welcome to Molding Masculinity. I'm Tom McFarland here with Philip Sipe. This is going to be our first episode. We're here to discuss uh, anger management, which I think is really the best way to just dive directly into the topics that we want to talk about on this podcast. So first off, let's do a little bit of an introduction. Uh, Philip, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. Yeah. Uh, my name's Philip Sipe, as previously mentioned. I guess as far as What's the word I'm looking for? Credentials. Uh, as far as my credentials go, uh, I'm a guy. So uh, I have a male experience as well as uh, I'm a software developer uh, as a career. And I am also a father of two young boys. So this, I think a lot about um, this sort of topic of like, what does masculinity mean and and how should it be presented and what's a healthy sort of way of going about that because it's literally my job currently to teach two people that as best I can uh and so I think about it a lot I'm certainly not perfect at it but uh I I'm looking forward to our conversations about stuff that uh I think will will both I hope help anyone who listens and uh help me be a better dad exactly and i mean that's kind of the core element of what we're trying to do here is like everybody wants to be better fathers better individuals and just grow as people right and that's um very you know that's my story right now is i'm not a father yet but i know eventually i hope to be i work with kids um uh in my field of work uh, i work um in, in uh, education, in a, in a uh, kind of soft form, I teach after-school programs of media production and audio design and film and photography. And which also, though, I mean, you know, even though I'm teaching those kind of technical fields, I'm teaching that to teenagers and often a lot of uh, masculine-presenting folks. And these elements you know, all of this kind of stuff that we're going to be talking in this podcast always interweave and intersect with all of that. Anytime you're talking to developing uh, masculine presenting individuals, that this is stuff that interweaves, right? And I mean, and that's uh, that's kind of what we're diving at, you know, trying to work through this stuff on our, uh, ourselves and uh, trying to help, you know, other folks work through this because that's there's not enough open conversation about what masculinity means and how we mold that within our own experiences of life because uh, we're all molding that together. It's not like, you know, you can't instruct that down from the perfect masculine archetype that's Right. And that's the way it's always presented. You know, in media and every other podcast you're going to go out there or book you're going to go out there and find is all about sigma males or alpha males or the maximum perfect male and you should all be like this. And that's just not a realistic, healthy, functional way to approach becoming an individual. Yeah, it's it's very much there's plenty of discussion about like, uh, you know, what being a man is about but it's usually very informed by you know um current standards current thoughts about that in the in uh and it's not generally informed by like what's good what like what will make you happy even like i think a lot of times you know and we'll obviously get to this when we get down to the topic at hand but you know, anger in particular is uh, is a good example of this. Of a lot of times, you know, you know, men are taught to channel a lot of their complex emotions into anger. And if that were a productive thing to do, uh, that would be one thing. But a lot of times, it's not. Uh, I would say most of the time, it's not. And I really feel strongly that you know that there needs to be more of a conversation especially as you know like a lot of the things that have been traditionally masculine are um having a hard time finding us a place in an increasingly digital in an increasingly modern society you know the whole like go and be the breadwinner for your family in a world where you know most families can't subsist on a single breadwinner for example is um a thing that 
is that demands a bit of a, a, a reimagining or at least a open discussion about this sort of thing. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to, it, especially with this particular topic is one that I've struggled with a lot. So uh, I'm really interested to see what the outcome of our discussion is. Exactly. And I, you know, I think it's, I think it's something a lot of, well, if a lot of, if not all uh, men and masculine presenting individuals do experience and go through, I mean, it's something that, you know, the, the, the the thing itself and the systemic triggers and systemic causes are something that is so intrinsic to like everything I think of as like my development in through and in masculinity into adulthood. Uh, it's like kind of the, you know, it was one of the reasons that, you know, both, there was two reasons that brought me to this topic. One was our own discussion that we had on this topic. And I realized it was very important to you, but it was also that it was just like that. I, I, I can't think of anything more, original source both to my own struggles in understanding masculinity and also in like my own experiences and seeing where masculinity goes wrong uh you know and that's to me that's like yeah the, the importance flows through that i mean i so many instances in my life where i've experienced issues controlling my anger revolved around systemic problems that existed in my life that I couldn't either I either I had no possibility of getting a grasp on them because they were something out of my control or I didn't know how to understand process and control what was happening so it just spooled out in anger and 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 that's yeah and and as as things go like the systemic things that can be invisible are some of the worst because um, it's directionless in that case. Like when you're, when you stub your toe and you're angry at the table, which, you know, obviously it's not rational, but it's at least understandable in the sense of like it stubbing your toe hurts. I, I being hurt makes me upset. I am therefore angry at the thing that hurt me. Right. Like that makes sense in a very, like, at least in a very, uh, childish sense. Right. Uh, with those kind of things with the more systemic things it's like you end up having this like it's less of a of a hot anger and more of just like a background frustration constantly of like and i think anyone who's like really been through like the corporate grind for example knows exactly what this feeling is of just like going to work every day and just you come home and things get upset about things that don't make any sense to be uh, as upset about them as you are. And you're not even sure why you're angry. And that's the bad part about it. A lot of times is like you, you, you react out of proportion and then people say like, why are you so upset about this thing? And you're like, I don't know. <laughs> Like, and it's very, um, and then you feel shame for being angry about a dumb thing. And then that shame in turn a lot, you know, like as men, we're taught to turn shame into anger and then you're more angry. And then uh, you, you, you end up with the snowball thing that that's, that's actually kind of hard to get out of. Um, I've really experienced that a lot of like being in that state of sort of having this like snowballing frustration, anger thing. and. Mm, being feeling almost kind of trapped you almost watch it happen to yourself at times exactly and i mean like one of so you know, when i said this is like a foundational thing one of my earliest like uh i would say like structural structural memories of my dad the, and this is you know i mean like just you know the general kind of memories of of being around my dad was um anger from him that was kind of seen as comical in the family and i mean and 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 i have to specify here my dad was absolutely not abusive in any form of way but he had a lot of anger and it was something that was always kind of joked about in the family of like oh he's out there working on the lawnmower because you can hear like expletives being screamed through a wall and broken tools and as a kid, yeah, like I still, I always like kind of process that as a funny thing of like, oh, don't go in the shop when dad's in the shop. Like he's yelling at things. Um, as an adult, I both found myself doing that myself and also realizing that when I did that, the reason I was doing that in that ex 
specific and explicit way was trying to channel that anger away from other people. Knowing that I was having an anger I couldn't control and an anger I couldn't place the reason for, and I didn't want to put that on another person. I didn't want to lash out at people. I didn't want to, you know, physically, uh, you know, abuse anybody. So I would intentionally isolate myself into a space where I could channel that anger into something completely unrelated. And in, 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 in re looking back and realizing the reasons, the systemic reasons, the things that had my dad angry when I was a kid and even today, and realizing how that was just this, yeah, like this constant spool of, of that going on, and it, 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 it's saddening. Um, and it's been something to learn how to do cope with myself that whole time. And I mean, like I just said, like when I was growing up, I mean, I mean, when, you know, as an adult, I, I, I caught myself doing that. And that was really when I was able to have some introspective on the back when he was doing it. And it was things like anger at having transportation insecurity, I think is where it first kind of like comes mm. to full fruition for me was I lived in a rural space when I was like in my like late teens, early 20s. I had to drive 15, 20 miles to work. I didn't make very much money. There was no other opportunities for work. Uh, I had one car accident where my vehicle was totaled and it paid off my vehicle and what I owed it and like $15 more. And, you know, 15, I, I ended up stuck in a trap where I had to go through so many broken down vehicles that I had pulled out of a field and strapped together and then constantly dealing with unreliability, constantly dealing with this thing of like having to work on my car then after I got off work so that I could get to work the next morning. And this constant fear of not knowing is this going to be the straw that breaks things? Because I was so close to, and, and then I eventually did end up in a situation with housing insecurity, of you know food insecurity, of all of these different insecurities that are all resting on this one insecurity. And it would snap in instances of me you know yeah the fuel pump goes yeah, out and, and i'm angry I think that's another and... great example of I, that's a really great example of um you know how men are a lot of times like taught or not even not really explicitly taught but sort of like um Im implicitly taught uh through the kinds of uh you know things that we see the adult men when we're children do and um, also the punishment for expressing other kinds of emotions that we that we experience, like we end up finding out whether never explicitly stated, but what you end up with is every the only emotion it's okay to feel is anger. And so, like you're, you know, in expressing your story, right? That's a really great example of like what you were feeling was not anger ultimately you channeled it into anger right but it was fear you were afraid of not getting money not being able to eat and starving to death or whatever you know like that was and that's a normal thing to be afraid of when it's you know right there looming on the horizon but we're not allowed to be afraid so instead the things that are going wrong that are that are contributing to that become targets of anger but it doesn't really make a lot of sense in the in the as a rational thing right to step back and say like oh like why are you angry at a car it's not doing this to you like there's no one to be angry about what good does being angry do and the answer is it doesn't like the real answer is you know i'm afraid but you say that as a man and a lot of times it's like oh he's a wuss you know he's afraid of having to not being able to man it up and eat and not eat for a day or something like as if that's a like a thing <laughs> that people should have to endure uh on the regular to be a real man you know um i've i feel like a lot of times too that are that you know we get we get a lot of uh feedback on like what kind of emotions we can feel and you know that essentially being only anger but the, the worst part about it is, is it's every emotion is channeled into that. And then there is no education at all on how to process that emotion. So you get one emotion for everything and then you have no idea what to do with it. 
and the only examples that you ever have generally are people like throwing shit or hitting or you know violent outcomes of some kind or yelling you know and like those are not productive behaviors most of the time like uh, there's a place for all of those things in particular circumstances, but most of the time, what you need to do is like stop, have a conversation about how to handle what's going on right now. But, you know, with no, you know, education on how to process that kind of thing, like you end up doing a lot of toxic stuff that really hurts the people that you care about the most because they're usually the ones they get to see you at that state because you know we know and have some degree of control to hide that when we're say like at work you know when your boss is you know pissing you off and you're angry about it like you know not to yell at him because you'll get fired but you know your that your loved ones at home are less likely to leave you uh and so they get the brunt of it which is not fair uh, and if you could process that in a more healthy way, then that would be so much better. But we don't really get taught how to process that. Uh, partially just because like, you know, my dad didn't know how to process his anchor really. And his dad certainly didn't uh, from the stories I've heard. And uh, I've heard that my great grandfather was even worse. So like, you know, this is a lot of cascading, just like people not knowing how to um, process their one allowed emotion and then um, channeling that into, you know, abusive behaviors. Yeah, and I think it's very valid what you just hit on, too, that that happens so generationally, and it is something that we as a society at least or as a you know is whatever we are improving on because like in, in the same story for me like my dad has explicitly told me that like he was careful about how he displayed anger because his dad was not so careful and was um i, I don't know if i want to like go right out and say abusive but in the way that it was described to me, it has often sounded very abusive and that anger was often very much directed at my dad when he was a kid. And, uh, and I, you know, I don't know my great grandfather on that side, but I can only imagine that it continued to escalate as you go back in generations. And it is this kind of a gradual learning, you know what I mean? Cause like one of the things that I think we get very concerned about today is this idea of like, Oh, do we think that we're better than our parents or our grandparents? And it's not about being better or feeling like you're better. It's you know, just like, if you're learning to play the guitar, you you know you're realizing that like oh hey i'm better at playing the guitar now than i was last week isn't you being shitty to you last week like it's a positive thing that you have improved there are some issues that are so big that we can't improve them adequately within our own lifetime timeline it happens generationally we improve as we move along and that's a good good thing to recognize yeah, and it's definitely the case when I look back at the history of, of at least like my direct like male lineage, uh, you know, of of that being a thing that's gotten better over time. You know, I I struggle with it. Um, you know, I'm for uh, I'm diagnosed as uh, having depression, and a lot of times I thought that I was like weird. Right. Like I thought like I had some weird like anger thing. Like there's the, there's even some that some particular anger disorders that I was like, maybe I have this. Right. I went to the psychologist, like, no, you just have depression. Like it it turns out a lot of guys who have depression, like just are angry a lot because they turn everything into anger. Um, because that's what they were taught to do. And so, you know, I took medicine and still take medicine and the the things that you things that i've learned about it in going from uh because i went i got on it and i was on it very consistently and then there was a little period of like insurance like gap stuff where i didn't get it for like a month and then like i went back on it and um 
the experience there was like very stark because like when I first got on it, I didn't really notice a big difference. I know I got a lot of feedback from the people around me that it was a lot better, right? But I didn't notice it. The change didn't seem obvious until I got off of it again. And then I felt what it used to feel like again. And it was uh, scary, to be honest. Like, um, I, I remember saying at one point in the conversation to my wife, I was like, I need to end this conversation now, not because in, you, you've done anything wrong, but because it's upsetting me. And uh, right now, I am not able to, to deal with this. Um, I'm, I'm going to start lashing out in a way like I'm, I'm not comfortable with what my feelings are making me want to do and it needs to stop. And, you know, she, of course, gave me some space to, to cool off and we took care of the thing we were talking about. It was like trying to figure out plans or something. It was something extremely mundane. Um, but it was, a, it was a real eye opener to see like where, you know, I had been at at some point and uh the way I always put it is it's like you know um you feel that sort of like rise up in your chest when you get upset and it, it has a sort of speed to it and you know when it reaches sort of the point of action is when you lash out or yell or curse or whatever and for me the medicine slowed it down just enough that it was like gave me some time to rationally insert myself and say it's fine this is not that big of a deal just calm down for a second type of thing and i i realized as part of that too that one thing that i lacked a skill as well because like sometimes it would rise slowly and i would still like lash out um, just because I didn't know what to do. It was like, I could feel it coming and I knew it was bad, but I didn't know what to do about it. <laughs> um, so I actually ended up doing, um, a bunch of reading about like anger management techniques, for example, for our discussion today, because it was something that I was really curious about. It was, it's something that I've always recognized as, as, you know, I've got my, the imbalance in my head straightened out but I'm recognizing that I still don't really know how to process a normal amount of anger. <laughs> um, and so um, I found some of them like very, very funny. <laughs> For example, uh, one, one technique they talk about is cognitive restructuring, um, which is, I mean, it's a fancy way of saying like change the way you think about a thing, but uh, you have a tendency to be like, um, it's awful, it's terrible, everything's, you know, going to shit or whatever. And it's, you're just like, okay, like, I, I find it, there's a, there's a humor to it. And like, if you step back and like, actually take, like, rationally evaluate the things that you're saying, and then go like, okay, like, you sound like a, like a dramatic teenage girl from a movie, right? And you're just like, come on, like, everything is not ruined, like, you're fine, like, I, I, I still got food on the table, I've still got people that love me, like, this is, this is okay, like, you're upset about a thing, it, it, maybe it's a thing worth being upset about, but, like, don't, <laughs> you don't need to, to hype up the drama to justify your anger, you know, you can just say, like, this anger doesn't make any sense, and I can let it go. I agree. I mean, that, that feels to me like a, it, it, yeah, it's something that I try to do myself, not just in anger, but also with other issues in life where it's like, I'm trying to process because I, because of some early in life things, I sometimes in general kind of struggle to process, uh, social situations and, well, life in general, if we're just being honest. And I have to like, sometimes I will stop and then be like, all right, I need to take like an internal third perspective and look at this as what it is. Am I looking at this situation accurately? Am I what, what like, you know, let's let's piece everything apart. And like, I have to just kind of process it through from this kind of a almost a third perspective in my head of like, I'm 
you know like i don't I yeah don't... it's almost like an intentional out-of-body experience like i'm gonna step outside of myself and like watch the situation as if i'm not a part of it type of thing right exactly because you know, it's it's like that idea of like you know you look different when you look at yourself in the mirror you look completely different than how you think you look it's the mm. same kind of a thing like how you present yourself outwardly how you behave often is often wildly different than how you actually think that all of that is in your head for sure yeah you know uh one of the other techniques that i looked up that was that was i i thought was by far the funniest <laughs> Uh, although I guess this is, would be expected is like specifically attempting to use humor, which is interesting because it doesn't feel like you're in the mental space for that. But um, the way they talk about it is like, you know, like if you're at work and you like think of like, ah, this guy's such a dirt bag. It's always come like, like imagine him as a literal bag of dirt, <laughs> which is like, like suddenly it's like it's like uh it felt like kind of like turning your life into a cartoon almost like like you know you see that in like cartoons or whatever it's like this you know the the guy who's a jerk is like a bag of dirt with eyes and a mouth and like i don't know like this uh this sort of idea of like turning making things silly in your mind to sort of offset the negativity of the anger um was uh was a sort of counterintuitive sort of advice um you know you you expect the advice and then and it does exist you know the techniques that everyone's probably heard of of like try to breathe slowly and deeply and you know count to 10 or um which all you know, of those often backfire horribly for some people like for me personally like i remember in high school i was i had some anger issues in high school and i was always told the same like count to 10 count your breaths and that always made me so much angrier it just like spooled me up in some kind of a way i couldn't explain and the the insistence that i do it also angered me and it was yeah <laughs> i had the, i have had the same experience of like i i see a lot of like advice that says you know to do certain things and my response i always feel like is either um that makes it worse for me or a lot of times it's like okay but like how do i do that when i'm angry like i can recognize this is a thing i should do but like at the point that i'm angry like my rational brain is not all there like and that's one thing that the medicine helps with a little bit it gives me a little bit of extra time but you know there there's a lot of uh a lot of that advice that I just go like, you know, and, and maybe that's, I sometimes think like maybe that's where the skill thing comes in, right? Like you need some like training of like, I don't know if you're supposed to like intentionally make yourself angry or just like practice doing it occasionally, like trying to make it a reflex because I know a lot of times like, like in athletics, for example, you practice a certain scenario over and over and over again. Um, of um so like i played uh catcher in uh, baseball for a long time and you know we had practiced like going like dropping down your knees to catch a ball that's going low and then standing up and throwing a ball to second base for someone who's trying to steal or whatever and we would just do that over and over and over and over and over again until it became a muscle memory so you're not having to in the moment where you need to throw that ball go okay how do i throw a ball to second base really fast again there's this particular technique instead you have all that in muscle memory and all you have to do is see the guy start to run and you just like do it and i think there's a similarity to that when it comes to like processing anger in that you have to have some degree of practice of doing some of these things and ha figuring out wh whether the counting to 10 thing works for you or not or whatever or the breathing thing like or you know some of the other things we've talked about like find something that works for you right? And then practice doing that thing, right? And don't beat yourself up when you don't do it right in the moment. Every time, you know, you go, oh, I should have done that. Practice it some more, get to the point where it's a reflex. And then it is a reflex. It's a muscle memory in the same, you know, in that sort of cognitive muscle memory, right? And then you get to that point where you've, I would imagine you find, and this is still a thing I'm working on. So you know maybe maybe have a an update episode at some point how are we doing with our anchor issues but uh 
you know, I feel like there that that's where the skill comes in. I think it's a combination of like dealing with you know potential chemical imbalances and and processing it from a sociological level and then also like developing that skill of like how do i process this when it happens to me because like like a healthy life is not one without anger it's not like anger is inherently a bad thing um justified or in the right circumstances it's incredibly helpful in a lot of ways it's just you need to be able to process it in a productive way and you know whether that's letting it letting you express yourself and what you really need to not be upset or you know um motivating you to change something you know it, you, you got to be able to channel it in a way that isn't you know destructive to yourself and, and others and I, I think that channeling too is kind of where we get that the the, the previously mentioned idea though it's like the the humor introducing humor into the situation and I mean, and that is something that we see in a lot of human, generally, how we deal with things like trauma and how we deal with uh, a lot of other issues that, you know, that, the, the, that we have real strong evidence that humor is a natural way that we deal with those situations. I mean, uh, gallows humor is not just a movie trope or a literary device. It's a real life thing that actually does uh, dependably, reliably develop among social groups. When, when faced in danger, anger, or really any kind of a heightened, uh, a heightened emotional state. And, and I think that's valid in anger too. And I mean, and that was, you know, one of the things that I do, um, I, you know, I have done for myself, I suppose, is when I'm, you know, like you had mentioned about that, like that slow burn of anger that my job sucks, I'm really frustrated at everything, and I just can't get unangry is like, that was when I like, those points in my life are like when I got really into stand up comedy and things, mm. because that was a way of dispensing some of that of like, because you know, it's like comedy is truth, right? You can't, uh, especially with like stand up comedy. A lot of times these guys are making jokes about the things that I'm living through or have lived through that are angering me. And it's that, you know, that, that truth in that is it, it's release valve. It's a way of like letting off some of that pressure and being like, yeah, that's annoying. And it's funny because, and I mean, and like, that was like, that was the entire Trump era, right? We were all cracking jokes about Trump because, because so much of it was so infuriating and elements of these systemic things that made us angry that, you know, the cracking jokes about it made it easier. And that's something you see in across politics on both sides of the spectrum. Uh, you know, it, 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 jokes are a relief release valve. Yeah. And I think people often misunderstand uh, like the release valve concept when it comes to anger, because a lot of people think like, oh, I yell on my pillow or, you know, hit something that's soft or like, you know, do something like that. Right. And um, there's a great uh, mind field episode. It's a, it's a series uh, that the guy who does Vsauce does talks about psychological concepts talking about, there's an episode on anger. And one of the things they do is they go and, um they um they have one group who um they basically make make both groups angry by having someone uh say really mean things about a thing that they did uh they come and do a very simple task and then someone else comes and just like completely tears it apart and makes everybody angry and they sent some group to a room where you do uh that there's a they've gotten a little bit popular of like like breakable rooms like where you you go in you're just allowed to break shit like uh and they would smash a bunch of stuff to to blow off steam right that's what you always say go blow off some steam uh and then they brought the so they like one group go blow off steam by breaking stuff and one group just had to sit there for a little bit and then they brought both groups back in and then had them uh engage in an activity where they had to decide to punish someone who was doing something wrong and that it was the same person that had reviewed their paper or whatever and universally, the people that went in to blow off steam and broke a bunch of stuff were meaner to the person who, uh, to, to the person who had insulted them uh, than the people who just had to sit there. Uh, so like blowing off steam in that sort of way, in an aggressive way, actually generally makes the problem worse. <laughs> um, 
And I think like everyone kind of knows this from experience, like if I've ever done that, it does not make me feel better at the end. Uh, whereas if I laugh at something or watch a funny video or go play a game that I enjoy that doesn't cause me frustration, uh, usually like uh, like D&D or something that's more cooperative or something, uh, I feel better. Like I feel less angry and I come back later. I'm like, ah, I, you know, I shouldn't have been so upset about that. But like, uh, I think a lot of times, like people end up doing things that they think is blowing off steam that makes them angrier, uh, especially things like, uh, like a lot of online games, I think that are like highly competitive trigger this really badly. Cause I used to try to do that. I would go play like, uh, like a MOBA, like Heroes of the Storm or something. And then like something would go wrong and my teammate would do something I disagreed with. And I would just be like, it made me so much angrier. I would get killed a bunch of times. Like, and like, then you kind of understand where all, like a lot of the toxicity in online multiplayer games, for example, comes from. It's like, it's a bunch of people who are probably dealing with like a lot of corporate stress and, and all that kind of stuff. And then they come home and the thing that they have is, you know, I play this game online and then it's not going well today, which doesn't go well sometimes. And they're not prepared to handle that because they're really angry that their boss told them they were going to have to come in on Saturday. Um, and it, it gave me a, a certain perspective on that, that I was just like, uh, I think like day nine, a famous like gamer YouTube personality had a, a whole thing on this that was really good saying like, if you can try to absorb that and don't spit it back out at them because likely it has nothing to do with your actual gameplay <laughs> it has nothing to do with what you're doing it has everything to do with something that they're processing on their end that probably has nothing to do with the game at all yeah and i mean and that was that's why to this day i'm not into online games and well i mean it's also like this is actually like a constant issue i have with anytime i mention of like oh yeah no i like i play games and almost every recommendation I always get is something that is absolutely not functional and like not productive for me because mm -hmm. yeah, like for me, video games are 100%. It's a release mechanism uh, when I'm feeling stressed out. Uh, I, mean, I mean, with an exception of like, sometimes I like during COVID I was unemployed for a while and wow, did I get into story-based games? Mm -hmm. But you know, that was just, I wanted to be in a different reality doing fun, doing useful. Even then, I guess it was a stress relief because it was, I didn't feel like I was being productive and I wanted to be in a universe like Red Dead Redemption where I felt like I was being productive. And, and I mean, and it's, you know, when it's a stress relief, I don't want to go into something that's going to frustrate me. I don't want to play Dark Souls where I'm I'm gonna die every five seconds I, I i want release i want endorphins i want to feel like like i'm accomplishing things and uh i'm not angry at the world and i mean and that was when we like you know we've seen like the rise of games like um uh the 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 nintendo uh on the island um I didn't play the game. So Animal we... Crossing? Yes, Animal Crossing. You know, yeah. Minecraft even is that kind of a game. Uh, I got really into Minecraft for a while during the pandemic because of similar things of like it was, there was, I mean, like one of the issues I was having too during the pandemic was these kind of games that are uh, into the world based or super stressful, <laughs> you know, tension stuff. And it was like, if I can just go play in a sandbox and forget the entire world exists, that's beneficial to my mental health. But yeah, so I mean, it's picking those things out in a way that is productive and benefits you. And um, but no, we're always just taught now nah, just go punch a bag or jump on a game where you're just murdering a bunch of Nazis. And I mean, like, I get how on paper that seems like it would make sense and help things. But look at the results, I guess. And, and I think for some people, it might. Right. Like, I know some people who find immense cathartic relief in, like, for example, a challenge like you mentioned Dark Souls. Right. I know some people who do de-stress from that as weird as it sounds. It's not my thing personally, uh, but hyper difficulty is a thing that they really relish in because they get such a huge endorphin release from it, from accomplishing that task. And they don't, the, the failure, the constant failure doesn't upset them. It's just like, they go, Oh, okay. I've learned this from this failure. And like, they don't have the anger reaction to losing over and over again, 
so ultimately that difficulty is a massive cathartic release. So like it works for them, but you have to, I think people need to be aware of the effect of a thing. Like for me, if I play a hyper difficult thing, sometimes I'm in the right headspace where that I have that experience where it feels really good and I'm not getting upset at failures, but sometimes I am. And I have to be aware of that and go right now, you know, this failure is upsetting me. <laughs> I need to stop because I am not in the right headspace to play a game where I'm going to be failing a lot. I need to go play some Minecraft, uh, maybe turn off the monsters, you know, like do something that is just going to be a fun thing to do and not worry too much about it. Um, yeah, like I think release valves are very important, but they need to be, you need to, I think people should have the introspection to evaluate the things that they're doing to release their anger and, and, and try to think about like, when you go do that thing at the end of it, do you feel less angry? Do you feel more angry? Do you feel better? Do you feel worse? Because if you're not taking that last step and evaluating whether or not it helps, you may be, and I know I've done this plenty of times in the past, you may be like digging in further into the problem and that's not helping you. It's not helping anyone around you, um, you know, and it's it's hard to to have that but i think it's very important if you're going to take a release valve approach to make sure to be evaluating whether or not the thing that you are doing is actually a release valve and not just ramping up the pressure agreed completely and i mean you know, and this is something we see kind of replicate itself across some of our systems of like we we get hooked on release valves but sometimes release valves just make the problem worse. If we're not solving the initial, you know, and this is also something important is like, if we're not solving the initial problem that's causing that pressure buildup, but we just keep releasing the pressure just below that threshold, we, 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 can, we can make things just worse when it finally breaks, when the dam finally snaps, it, it, you know, it can make things worse. Um, Let's dive down. Do you have more? Uh... Yeah, uh, one of the things that I thought was interesting was if you're a more physical person uh, doing some like non-strenuous like activities, uh, like uh, they mentioned yoga specifically, um, something to relax. Um, I, I know some people who, uh, and I'm certainly not one of these, but <laughs> I know some people who um, run, like it's a thing that just kind of they can get into and just run for a while and it's physical and perhaps not relaxing, but at least um, channels their energy into something. And once you... Um, oh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, yeah, once you do running for a while, it definitely starts releasing a lot of endorphins into the body. And that's mm -hmm. why like some people will say like, running feels great and a lot of the rest of us are like i don't know what the fuck you're talking about it doesn't feel <laughs> great and that's you know that there's like that initial threshold of where but once you reach the like cardio capacity for a certain level of running and then your body is releasing endorphins because it's you know it's like it, it it's kind of like expecting that base level of activity and then you're reaching it and you get endorphin actually scratch everything i just said i am absolutely not a physical uh fitness instructor <laughs> and i feel like i just explained something very poorly and incorrectly but i mean but yeah you definitely get endorphins when you're running um once you reach yeah. a level and like i'm not at that level right now i have been before in my in the past um, when I was like 40 pounds lighter, um, but you know, it's, it, it's yeah. a thing for some people. <laughs> no, for sure. I mean, I remember I, I tried to get into running for a little bit. I did it with a friend in the mornings and like, you know, we typically would run like a mile or two, depending on, you know, what it was. We started off slower than, you know, even less than that, like half a mile or ever just like, cause I was not in shape, still not, but, uh, it, it there, there was one time where, he was like, hey, I just got a new path for us to run. And he just wanted to try me out, essentially, I guess. He didn't really tell me. We were on it. And it was just like, whew, it was brutal. It was hard. And uh, we got to the end. He was like, well, you just ran a 5K. 
and I think ran was a generous estimate because I stopped many times, but I did complete a 5k distance. Uh, but, uh, you know, he was like, doesn't that feel great? And I was like, I, I kind of want to kill myself right now, but, uh, like, uh, I guess I'm proud of myself in the sense that like I did it, <laughs> but I did I, like, he was, he, I think he was expecting me to, to be like, yeah, man, like, oh, I'm just like so pumped up and high on running. And instead it was just like, I want to never do this again. <laughs> One of the things they that they talked about in some of the coping techniques was there's this sort of expectation um, of things should be a different way that um, is a lot of times the sort of underlying thesis of a lot of anger issues. And I certainly know that, that feels that way. I, I can't tell you how many times I've lost a game and be like, I can't believe I lost to that, you know like bullshit strategy or whatever it's so bad and they got so lucky or whatever um and you know the underlying thesis there is that like i should have won that game but didn't and it was unfairly stolen from me right and one of the things that they talked about was sort of doing a thing similar to you talked about where you sort of like step out of yourself and evaluate they the specific advice that i read in the apa was um like picturing yourself as like sort of a god uh, some sort of supreme ruler and like you sort of step back and uh, imagine what the world would look like if the thing that you're angry about was true like imagine you play this game and you always win right by divine dictate that would suck like no one would want to play with you first of all unless they were on your team and then you wouldn't be able to find anyone to play against you so first of all like you would never get to do it because I'm going to be like, okay, I guess we'll just lose automatically. And, you know, also be boring. Like all the excitement of the game is gone. Like, you know, the outcome, like everything that you do works the way that you expect it to. Like the reason those things are exciting, right, are, are because you don't know the outcome. And, and anyway, like, you know, it gives you this like framing to like step out of yourself and really evaluate, like, what are you really saying here? Like, does that make any sense and if and if not like what does that say about your sort of anger it says oh it's coming from a place of you know of you know wishing things were different or having really wanted to win or you know maybe you know maybe it's something deeper you know maybe there's maybe you're upset because you know you're playing this game to get away from some of the frustrations from work or whatever and it's not happening because you're losing well you know maybe if that's what you're really trying to get at it maybe this isn't the right game to play maybe you should play something where your success is uh more like formulaically attributable to good decision making you know like if you're going to play you know a card game where your draws are uncertain and the outcome of certain things is is not given you know maybe that's not the right game to play when you need stress relief because it may be something that you enjoy doing, but it's not good at making you feel better when you're stressed or when you're angry. So like do something like, I think like that framing of like stepping out of yourself and imagining yourself as some sort imagining the universe in which like the thing that you're angry about never happens can really help you fr frame that in the way of saying like, oh, actually this isn't a, a reasonable position. Yeah, and I, I think that's valid, and that's one that I've never really thought about and processed before. Um, yeah, you know, and I, I, I kind of immediately had a knee-jerk negative reaction when you entered the, the idea of like, well, imagine yourself as a god, and I'm like, okay, so become as narcissistic as possible. And I mean, but no, no, like there's a lot of validity to like, yeah, this idea of like, kind of like I was saying earlier about internal when dealing with internal struggles and like taking yourself out and like as a third person evaluating what's happening and this is kind of the same thing but I think on a different scale of like yeah, take yourself out evaluate what you are wanting what you're seeking and like is that reasonable are you being reasonable do you need to change direction like I think that has a lot of validity to it yeah I'm trying to think if there is anything else. Oh, the other one that is one that we hear a lot. Um, 
And I think, I think the reason that I have a negative reaction to this one is largely because it was always delivered. The suggestion was always delivered from an angry place. So it just kind of felt not honest. Um, but I think it's actually good advice when taken at face value, which is uh, change your environment. It's like, don't go, don't do the thing that is making you angry. Don't like, if, the, if you can't have a conversation calmly, just say, look, I can't have this conversation right now. I'm getting upset and it's not going to be productive. I mean, we need to have this later. Or if you're playing a game and you're getting upset, like I need to stop playing this game, go do something else. I mean, I tell that to my children all the time. They're playing games. They get angry when they die or when things don't go their way. And I say, all right, it's time for you to get off your tablet and do something else. And they get pretty upset. And I, I remember getting upset about that as a kid about being made to do something else but it's actually genuinely good advice i think it, the problem is it just needs to come from like when someone yells at you to go do something else <laughs> it's not the same thing as going as taking a step back and saying like i need to do something that's not going to make me upset um so i think it's good advice but i think it needs to come from a place of like recognizing that you don't need to feel this way and that this is not currently a good thing to be doing, right? So I, what I've always tried to do when I say that to my kids is sometimes, you know, it, it you know, I'll just say like, look, you need to do something else. If you, but the thing I always try to in inject into that is the point of playing a game is to have fun. The point of being on your tablet is to relax and enjoy yourself. If you're not doing those things, why are you on your tablet anyway, right? Why are you doing this thing anyway? Because if you're playing a game and what you're getting out of it is misery, like you're just, you're just, you just have a box in front of you that makes you feel bad. And you're pushing that button over and over and over again. Like that is not smart. That's a very, very unintelligent thing to do. Um, yeah. I agree. And I mean, and that's, I think that's probably my most common, my most common acute anger, uh, process of dealing with anger yeah i mean like you know i i have a more um chronic way of dealing with it that i want to discuss in a moment but yeah acutely acutely when i find myself really angry at a person a situation or a you know a task i try to remove myself from the situation right like you know and that's the thing that i think i try to do different from what i observed as a kid right it was like my dad would and still to this day, like if he's working on a lawnmower or, you know, it, he's trying to fix a lawnmower, he will not set it down until he's done. And he will be in there. He will be angry. He'll be throwing wrenches. He'll be screaming about the problem. He'll be all mad about it. Three o'clock in the morning, he's still out in the garage working on it. And I just don't play that game. I, once I reach my, once I feel my, because I mean, and I, part of this is because I would observe my dad do this thing where he's a really smart mechanic. He is really good at this, but he'll reach a point where that anger kicks in and he's not seeing things rationally and he's not seeing the solution to the problem. And so he's not going to fix it because at this point he's just banging a wrench against a rock. Like he's not, there's not a, like a rational deliberation happening here. And, and, and so, I, and I know I'm doing the exact same thing, right? When I reach oh, I that, do that same all point, the time. like, yeah, I get angry at the problem and now I'm just beating it with like, I'm, you know, I'm not address, like, I'm not seeing the trees for the forest. I'm not seeing the solution to the problem and what I need to do. And so I get up, I walk away, I go to a different task. This is still going to be here when I come back for it. Uh, you know, and the same, you know, and I mean, and the same thing happens with the relationships. When I'm angry at a person, something has happened and I'm mad about it. You know what? I'm going to remove myself from this environment from, you know, hey, look, we need to talk about this later because right now I'm not in a space where I'm going to be able to process this. I'm just banging a wrench against a rock here. Like I'm, I'm, I'm going to be bouncing off the wall and not doing anything productive. So I'm going to walk away. I'm going to do a different task for a short time until I can bring that heat down and then process everything through. And then probably the, you know, the, the, what I need to do or what I'm, how I'm, you know, that, that's really when all this other stuff for me kind of kicks in. I'm like, okay, I'm going to pull myself out. Look at this. Am I looking at this rationally? Do I need to readdress the situation? Like, what do I need to do from here? And that's the first step for me almost always is removing myself from the environment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And I, I that's something I struggle with still. Uh, you know, I, I tend to get into that space of like, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to get this done if it murders me. <laughs> uh and that's never been like in retrospect like that's never been productive like first of all yeah exactly what you're saying you get worse at doing it over time the angrier you get uh and so then your likelihood of succeeding goes down which is a nasty snowball to get trapped in uh but also like it's just not like at the end even when i accomplish it it never feels like enough you know i'm still it's not the release is not worth the um all the the stuff you had endured to get to that point it, it's it's something finally, i need to get better at yeah it's like oh it finally fucking worked it's about time it did that and now i'm angry at the next thing instead right. of you're almost angry at it for working <laughs> exactly yeah and but if you would have stepped away and then came back and be like oh god that was so much easier than i thought oh man i really need to reprocess how i look at things and it mm-hmm. yeah and i mean and so like that's I think that's acutely very valuable in the in the instance in the moment for me chronically in my dealing with anger is something that I think is very valuable but I also think is often misrepresented in psychology and in society and that is meditation and mindfulness Mm -hmm. Um, now there's two things that I dislike about this one is structured the structured meditation and mindfulness that everyone always puts forward is this like here's how you have to do it which again is, I mean, because that's what we're trying to do when we talk about like, oh, we'll count to 10, take breaths. It's this structured thing that for me, absolutely like that never helped me. Hmm. But understanding the end game for mindfulness and meditation and then allowing myself to find my own path there actually was something that I typically found helpful. And that was like understanding like, no, what I'm trying to achieve with mindfulness is an actualization of like realizing that, you know, I am within my own body, like an in of body experience, if that makes any sense, like, a you know, like becoming mindful of my presence and where I am right now, right this moment, kind of smoothing out the surface of those emotions. And I mean, and again, this isn't something you can do when you're angry. You can't sit down and be like, well, I'm going to meditate myself out of anger. No, you're not going to do that. Like, or at least I'm not. For me, it doesn't work that way. But Doing that regularly, just like exercising and getting myself into a calm state, into uh, in, in, in reaching mindfulness and, and, and a meditative state of whatever, helps me have a better baseline moving forward. Where, because you, know, you rubber band, right? Your emotions rubber band. When you, when you, when you reach a heightened emotional state, you naturally want to rubber band back to whatever your base level is. But if your base level is always way up there, you're never going to, you're always going to be rubber banding to, to, to just mild anger instead of to an actual plateau of like where you want to be, right? Wherever you want to be at. Like, I don't know. And right. that's, that's not expert opinion for me. That's just my own personal experience, but for sure. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting that you mentioned that because, you know, I've, I've talked about meditation type of stuff with um, other men as well. And one of the, one of the interesting features of consistent, you know, reports that I've heard of people that have done it on a regular basis is that part of the process of that is just like you, when you're, when you're meditating, you're not attempting to change necessarily anything. You're just attempting to become aware of it accept it for what it is and then sort of like take it and look at the next thing you know that that sort of process of like not we're not here to fix or do anything that we're just going to recognize it for what it is and i think a lot of times some that i like that jumped out at me and doing the research for some of this that was a big thing that i need to get better at is you know we've talked about earlier at the beginning how as men, we are taught implicitly to channel basically all of our emotions into anger. And as a result, like we get very good at that from a very young age to the point that it just feels like everything makes us angry. That's not always true. And I think similar, I think like going through that sort of process helps you look at yourself and realize like what I'm feeling here, it's fear or it's disappointment. Or, you know, I've been 
emotionally hurt by something someone said, or I don't feel adequate or whatever. And accepting that for what it is and recognizing that it's not anger <laughs> and doesn't necessarily mean that you need to be angry about it. Um, and then, you know, in the moment meditating, of course, you generally accept it and set it aside, whatever. But I think like importantly, when you finish that process, you should go back and say like, okay, I know what it is now. I'm not angry. I'm disappointed or I'm not angry. I'm scared of X. And that helps you frame it in a way that says, okay, well, if you're scared of X, right, you're scared of, you know, food insecurity, for example, right? What can, what can you do to help address that issue? You know, if you need, do you need to go look for trying to get a job or do you need to uh, try to find some resources, like, a, you know, get some like food stamps or go to, you know, something that will help that situation directly instead of just being angry at the world with uh, sort of direct that's directionless and aimless and ultimately is just going to turn inward back on you because you have nothing else to be angry at but yourself um just accepting that as men we are complicated people uh that have more than one emotion and should recognize that and process them differently yeah just like all people we are normal human beings just like all the other human beings uh, we're not more emotional than others. We're also not unemotional. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we're not less emotional. Like you're you're a person just like everybody else. Get over yourself. Yeah, you're going to feel, I mean, I shouldn't say get over yourself, but I mean, you know what I'm like, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, don't, know, don't imagine yourself as a romantic thing that's like separate from humanity. Exactly. Like you're going to feel anger. You're going to feel sadness. Uh, you're going to feel fear. Uh, you know, none of those things are a weakness, a weak, I mean, like, you know, you know, it's, there is strength in how you learn to cope, deal, and process those emotions. And I mean, and that's the thing, you know, what, you know, I think that is what strength is. I mean, honestly, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, strength isn't like in the same way, like one of the things I remember hearing, and I don't remember where I heard it first, but it was, uh, bravery is not being someone who's not afraid it's being someone who does it even though they're afraid. And I think the same is true for a lot of these sort of things. Like being strong is not about not having weaknesses. It's about being able to do a thing even though you have weaknesses. And like weakness is not something to be ashamed of. We're all weak in some ways and we're all strong in other ways. No man's truly an island. No one's good at everything. The people who you think of who think like, yeah, that no, but that guy's good at everything. He's not. He's got something that is eating at him on the inside, you know, almost certainly. And you don't need to know what that is. That's not the point. Like the, the point is that like no man survives alone. Yeah. I mean we're social yeah. creatures. Yeah. So one of the trends of this podcast are going to be that I'm going to be constantly revealing skill sets that I have that a lot of folks don't know that I have. Um, I did fencing for a long time. I wanted to continue doing fencing now that we're post-COVID and uh, in, in fencing as in sword uh, swordsmanship fencing, not as in building fences. And, uh, in, and so in, in part of fencing is understanding your tool that you're using, and this is both foils and the you know pr the practice swords that you're using and also real swords and so therefore you have to understand the metallurgy behind those if you're going to utilize them effectively uh in a sportsmanship uh arena and it the most imp the entire element of a sword is a balance between flexibility between strengths and weaknesses right i mean between flexibility and uh, rigidity uh, between like if you have an overly strong metal like let's say cast iron um it's very fragile it, it's very strong in certain ways but it's also going to snap because it has no flexibility if you have something that is too soft and too flexible it's going to chip because it doesn't have any hardness uh, the idea of strength and weakness being this polarity thing that you are either strong or you're weak is not attached to reality strength and weakness is a 
balancing act of nature and of life. Everything and everyone is strong and weak in different ways, and it's uh, the the way in which those things are used together that uh, create any like create the, the the world that we live in. Right, like it is us. It as a society, it is us working together and creating mutual aid and partnerships together that uh, address our individual strengths and weaknesses. So. Um, yeah, and I think you can look at nature and see tons of examples of this, of, of like material science is a really interesting uh, aspect of this. And you get into like certain materials, you go like, well, I mean, uh, I, I struggled to come up with an example off the top of my head, but I, I'm certain if you, you know, look into it, you'll find. But like there are materials that are like you could tear them or, you know, destroy them very easily. But Con concrete, concrete is so brittle <laughs> under right. the wrong kind of forces. Exactly. And so like, strong. Under there the are right some kind. things that you could just like tear with your hands that like if you tried to like cut it or like do what, you know, like blow it apart or like do certain kinds of things, it's almost indestructible. But like it's also incredibly weak to. I mean, it's almost like a, like a Pokemon, you know, like it has it's weak to tearing and vulnerable to explosions or something or weak to weak to tearing and strong against explosions or something like that. You know, like there's like we like trying to take everything and boil it down to like a, like the, almost like this one thing of like it's either weak or strong. It's just like like most binaries, not a good way of looking at the world. <laughs> Yeah. Um, the only functional binaries are in computing and everything else is not binary. Yeah. And that comes with its own, I'll say as a software developer, that comes with its own uh, <laughs> limitations. Like it's very hard to describe certain things to a computer. And it's literally my job. And I've spent weeks attempting to describe something that I can tell to another person within that sentence because you have to do it in math. So I think that's going to wrap us up for today. Um, I would, as we, uh, as we leave, I would like to plug, uh, my other podcast handy with handguns, which is on Spotify and every other place where podcasts are found. Um, would you like to plug anyone, anything, any organization or anything folks should otherwise check out on the internet? Uh, sure. Yeah. So, um, one of the things that I'm a part of is a group, um, called Red Dirt Collective, um, we are a group of um, people in uh, trying to organize in uh, Norman, Oklahoma, specifically, um, just trying to get people together to um, like regular people to abdicate for their own self-interest um, because there's a lot of things that we need as regular people that um, we struggle to handle on our own and sometimes it would make more sense to do those at a policy level uh, and we also just do like community stuff like we're having a barbecue um in about a week from time of recording uh you know we're getting people together just to chat have fun get to know each other um talk about their lives and uh, it's a great organization if you're in that area central oklahoma i strongly encourage you guys to check us out um but other than that i'm i don't I'm not part of a whole lot of uh <laughs> online projects currently fantastic thank you for joining us uh for, well thank you for joining me as we embark on this uh kind of new podcast experience i haven't uh I don't I don't think either of us have really done this kind of a podcast before. We're we're learning as we go along, which is the entire theme of this podcast is learning yeah. as we go along. Um uh thank you all, uh listeners, for joining us. I hope you all have a wonderful evening, morning, afternoon, or whatever time of day it is, wherever and whenever you are. Thank you. <laughs>